Hello and welcome to a Wednesday, February 7th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Taurus, and I've got my guy, Ramiz, newly recovered from a virus he was just telling me about off air, but uh, hopefully on, on track to be able to give us the good stuff as we jump into a seven game slate over here to take on our Wednesday evening. I know Ramiz has been a couple of weeks. I had something to take me off. I was actually out of town for last week and then you've had stuff that kept you out of it as well. But uh, I think we're back together after what was it three weeks at this point now. Yeah, I, actually, yeah, it's been a while. I, I know the last time we talked, we had, <laughs> we had killed a judge. <laughs> so, and I was like, I remember looking at this stats and I messaged you. I'm like, this is the worst battle ever. But let the record show. I still think Sohan ended up with a with a better night. I think he beat me by like 12 DK passes, points by 10. We'll take uh, we'll take the dubs where they come. But uh, apologies on. Uh, well, not, they should apologize for their game because guys, it was horrible yeah, that should. night. But yeah, hey, that's how it goes sometimes, right? There's all the all the things in place for you to think about, uh, you know, the best picks that you want to make on a given night. But, hey, that's just what it goes. And that's why you want to be able to potentially hedge some different guys around. And um, I feel like right. our picks were good, too, though. Like, they weren't even that bad. In, in <laughs> hindsight, it looks whatever. But, hey, I'd say by and large, it's been going pretty well. So, you know what? The odd uh, the odd dud will happen naturally as you're going about doing it. But hey, uh, the way I say it is as long as the process makes sense, the matchups make sense and the and the pick for their value makes sense. You can't really control what happens on the on the day itself. So you just got to take the punches where they come. But but, you know, if you want to keep yourself on top of everything that's happening, you want to get yourself onto sportsethos.com, sign up for that DFS pass. You can keep yourself up with all the different uh, content that we have on there, including our podcasts here, our DFS deliveries, all the props picks, as well as access to our Discord. So you can ask the pros alongside everyone else on there with uh, their different thoughts about how to attack all these different lineups that are there and all these different slates. Because when we're talking about a seven game slate, like we are over here with a couple of games that have some pretty interesting totals and spreads combinations. So you know, we have to think about uh, where it is that we're going to be focusing our attack on here. So we'll get uh, right into that. And we're going to talk about it, starting with the point guard side of things here. And really from the, uh, from the top here, I, I feel like it's just become a, a signature at this point. I just have to find a way to be able to recommend him every time. And that's James Harden. He just uh, keeps being in a position that just is a great spot for him to be able to put on those kind of low and I wouldn't even call it low end. They're like 20 and 10 triple double <laughs> close nights. And he's had back to back ones where he's been at 53 and 64 DK points. Four out of the last five games have been 53 plus DK points in that. And it's not that he's necessarily shooting the lights out or anything like that. He's having decent shooting nights, but he's shooting really only between uh, 13 to 15 shots a game in that. And outside of that one, a Detroit aberration where I mean, he just had a weird game. It was a weird game altogether, even though the Clippers still pulled it out. But Harden on, on his thing has been absolutely on fire for the month of February so far. So given that we're going into a Pelicans matchup here where regardless of how decently the Pelicans find themselves playing offensively and actually winning a bunch of games, what they do also give up is a lot of points on the other end. So it allows for a pretty uh, fantasy-friendly night on here. And looking at the early points total so far, we're looking at a 235 points uh, game spread for this one with the uh, Clippers favored to win by 6.5 at the moment. So 
know, not a blowout type scenario that we're necessarily looking at over here, even though the Clippers have been pretty dominant over the last uh, little bit. I think uh, Kawhi just came out, what was it, 25-5 and five over the last 30 games with Kawhi averaging 50, 40, and 90 in that time. So definitely a lot to like as far as the Clippers' performance is concerned, and Harden has been very much at the head of that as well. And 9,000 still gives you enough upside for you to get those uh, 50-plus nights without uh, having to worry too much about his floor, which should be in that uh, in that 40 mark pretty consistently there. The next one is uh, going a little bit uh, closer to home over here, except the Raptors are going to be away in Charlotte taking on the Hornets in a 224 game total where they're actually favored uh, to win by six and a half over here. Now, the, the positive news that's come out for the Raptors today is that Scotty Barnes gets to be the, uh, the replacement all-star for uh, Julius Randle, which is obviously nice for him. But a guy who really needs a big comeback game at this point, especially from a shooting perspective, is Emmanuel Quickly. And there's really not too many teams that are better to do that than facing off against the Charlotte Hornets, who are not only one of the worst defensive teams, period, but specifically against point guards, have been uh, somewhere near the 29th or 30th position as far as opposition uh, point guard uh, points allowed is concerned. So for quickly, a guy who's had uh, very much an up and down uh, last couple of games, uh, he's still shooting decently from the outside, but overall his field goal percentage has really been, uh, been taking a deep deep plunge over the last little bit. He's up to, I think he's at about 39% now as a Toronto Raptor from the field in general. So lots to hopefully improve over there. So for him in a, in a matchup, that should be a pretty good one uh, for him to get back on there. Should see his full uh, allotment of minutes anywhere between uh, 35 to, to 38, depending on how things work out as far as the game is concerned. 7,000 is a, is a very good price tag for him to be able to take advantage. And if he can get himself to the, uh, the kind of, um, the kind of points that we have been seeing as of late. I don't see why he shouldn't uh, continue that, uh, continue that positive trend. And then the last, uh, just looking again at the, at the mid tier side over here, not necessarily spending too much time on the, uh, on the low end at the moment from the point guard slot will be uh, in the uh, San Antonio Spurs game where they're taking on the Miami heat, a two twenty three game total, the heat favored to win by about seven and a half. But the one shining light that has been consistent for the last little bit for the Spurs has been Devin Vassell. And he's he's definitely uh, one of those guys that you can absolutely slot in in both cash as well as GPP games over here. Uh, over the last uh, five games has been right around that 39 to 40 DK points uh, marker over there. He's shooting about 45% from three in that time as well and finding himself to the free throw line about uh, four to five times a game in that too. So a lot to like as far as his uh, overall fantasy outlook is concerned. And even if he's not necessarily dropping the big numbers as far as the uh, rebounds and assists are concerned, those are always some nice little supporting stats that he can throw on alongside uh, putting up 20-plus actual points, which he is now on a, a five-game streak of of scoring a 22 or more points. So lots to like over there, and uh, that's where I'm going to start as far as my point cards are concerned. Some interesting picks. And for the first time, I don't think we have any agreements because – I mean, I was thinking about uh, going for a high-end point guard. Like, I think Donovan Mitchell has been playing some excellent basketball. I think the Cavs in general, I think, are, what, like, 15-1. and one, I think I saw a stat mm -hmm. in the last 16 games. They've been really solid. Uh, he's priced out at 9,900. Of course, Harden with someone who I thought you were going to talk about. Because, of course, in this matchup, going against uh, the likes of a Zion Williamson or Jonas Valanciunas in the pick-and-roll, it sounds like Harden might cook. Uh, but I decided to go a bit more cheaper. And that's for De'Aaron Fox at 8,100. Uh, and this is one of the factors was just due to the fact that he has been struggling. So I don't know if his ownership is going to be high because his price is 
still pretty solid, I want to say. But on top of that, I think they run a huge road game stretch, and they're finally back home in Sacramento. So I think maybe De'Aaron Fox will finally get back to the form because I think if we, it wasn't too long ago where De'Aaron Fox was like averaging like 28 points per, per, 28 points per game and was just on an insane streak. But 8100 I still like that price, and I think, especially in terms of the opponents, it doesn't get better than Detroit. I mean, you're going against the likes of a Killian Hayes for his Sasser. <laughs> so I think uh, De'Aaron Fox could definitely have a bounce-back game and kind of get back into his groove. Uh, a bit cheaper than I'm going for the guy opposite side of him, which is Cade Cunningham at 7900 which is I'm surprising you didn't go for because, I mean, this guy, I think you've mentioned it before, and mm-hmm. maybe you're just tired of going for him over and over again. Uh, but his prices is really good, right? Because he always, we already know on this Detroit team, he's the best player. He's the point guard. He's has the most high usage. Uh, maybe Jaden Ivey might be close to him. But uh, he's just been absolutely, like, hitting the mark. I mean, just been getting around 40 fantasy points in the past four games. And Sacramento, great team, uh, offensive team. But defensively, they are obviously not like that, you know, team where they're going to lock you down. So I think the Detroit Pistons might be able to put up a somewhat competitive game. I mean, like you said, right, the Clippers, they they had like 125 points against the Clippers. Uh, so obviously, I don't expect this game to be like a game where it goes off of Cade's recent numbers. I don't think should see a drastic change. I mean, he's only been averaging around 20 points per game, uh, around nine assists, and just having stellar performances. So at 7,900, I think it's a it's a really good price to go for. Uh, and then uh, I decided to go for a San Antonio Spur, but not Devin Sell. I went for Trey Jones, and that's mainly because he's also been a player who I think has been pretty solid all, all around. I think hopefully. Greg Popovich keeps on going for this guy because he's probably been the best player to involve Wemby. And uh, just in general, like his stat lines have just been really solid. He's been hitting around 35 minutes and at 5,700. He's like, and I want to say in that mid-tier, but and like in between that mid-tier and low-tier area, and where he can have that potential to go for some like 35 DK fantasy point or at, at best a 40 point DK fantasy point night. Uh, sometimes he will have those scoring games, but sometimes he'll have those games where I want to say it's like the Draymond special where it's like, you know, it's all singles, but it's like really high. Uh, especially in that last game, for example, where he had seven points, five rebounds, eight assists against Cleveland. That was simply just 28 DK fancy points in 28 minutes. So I think, I just think it's a really cheap price to go for. And then last but not least, I decided to go with a player who is wearing a Spurs jersey still this day on DraftKings, and that's Josh Richardson. Uh, <laughs> so he's at 4,100. And... He's just another player who I noticed who is on the lower. He's a budget player, but he's been playing like 30 minutes, I want to say. Uh, so, I mean, that's always a good sign to see for a low-end guy. And he's been able to deliver in most cases. Uh, I think, uh, especially because this Miami Heat team isn't hasn't been as good as you think they would be after acquiring Terry Wazir. Uh, but, like, Josh Richardson has still been able to get a few good minutes in and sometimes have performances where... He's had 40 DK fantasy points. Obviously, I don't expect him to have that type of performance, but he's had a couple of games where the past four where he's had like 25 DK fantasy points. So at 4,100, it's a really cheap price. And the fact that he can slot in at a point guard spot, this is, this is a really good pickup, I feel, I feel like, uh, in the area. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think there's uh, some solid picks on there. I definitely did have thoughts as far as uh, Kate Cunningham was concerned, but I'm just... 
a bit wary anytime he gets the questionable tag. Now we found that more often than not, he ends up either sitting that game or is, is in some way limited. They also have a back-to-back coming up over here. So it's just a an interesting situation as far as uh, Detroit and their rotation is concerned and also just Cade's health. So it's kind of like weighing what you can potentially get from him, uh, given the fact that, yes, his price tag is great, but is he going to play a full lot in a minute? Is Detroit going to keep it close enough against Sacramento, who have been playing really well as of late? I guess we'll have to see. That's why you put him into something like a GPP rather than necessarily a cash play. But jumping right into the uh, shooting guards side of things, and and this is where uh, a lot of these mid-tier guys really did appeal to me. Now, you already mentioned from a top end that Donovan Mitchell is there. I'm not going to spend too much time speaking about him because I do think he he is absolutely a guy in play. I just don't trust Washington to keep things (laughs) in, in any way. Uh, close enough for me to uh, like him too too much on this and the fact that they're getting fully healthy as well is just one of those things that'll help spread some of that usage around which is better for Cleveland as a whole not necessarily for uh, Mitchell as an individual fantasy player but where I am uh, liking my uh, my chances here is in the mid-tier and I I almost feel like dirty saying this because I hate I hate recommending RJ Barrett in general his game I don't think it's a scenario in which it's uh, it's the greatest situation for anyone to be in but for him individually he's been putting up some pretty good you know say popcorn numbers on here he's been shooting pretty well over the last uh over the last couple of um, a couple of weeks and even though he had a uh, little bit of an injury that kept him out for about i want to say a little over a week and a half came back with no restrictions in that uh, in that okc game and even though he didn't uh, play in the in the back-to-back against the uh, Pelicans the next day, it wasn't really an injury concern or anything like that. It was just more of a rest and uh, load management kind of scenario for him. So for a guy who's still under uh, that 7,000 mark, uh, sitting at 6,900, for and for him to know that you're going to be in a position where you're going to play 36 to 38 minutes, he's getting closer to that 20 shots a game, which... Again, you know, may not necessarily be great for Toronto's long-term prospects, but they're at this point trying to uh, obviously get as many uh, or as great a draft pick as they can. So winning isn't necessarily the top of their scenario, but it's great for RJ's individual uh, fantasy value here. And I think he's in a good position to be able to repeat uh, another kind of 35 to 40 DK point night against a, a team like the Charlotte Hornets, who, yeah, not a great defensive team great pace on there and Toronto is expected to win this one here so we'll have to see what that actually turns out to be and uh, how much RJ is going to be involved in that but his price tag keeps it in a in a place that he should be able to uh, get to that without too too much concern given his current uh, his current role and his current usage going down uh, to the uh, to the other side which is actually an ex Charlotte Hornet over here who's now moved over to the uh, Miami Heat we have Terry Rozier, who's 6,000 at the moment, going into that uh, San Antonio and Miami game. And really, I think this is one of those things where the growing pains continue to uh, continue to be kind of getting worked out as his uh, place in the rotation is getting solidified. I spoke about this on the uh, on the previous pod with uh, with Kenny as well, where I recommended that um, he's going to be a, a good pick for uh, for the game tonight against the uh, uh, the Orlando Magic, and he ended up with a very solid 18-6-7 and seven night there as well. So I expect that Terry Rozier is going to continue to be in that kind of 30-35 to 35 minute mark over there as they uh, really get him involved as that one perimeter guy that they really do need. And his uh, shot really needs to start uh, coming back on as well because he has been shooting badly as of late. Uh, coming into that uh, Orlando game, he was one of, uh, one of 15 from downtown, so definitely a uh, complete and utter... Uh, aberration for where we usually see him out there. So it's starting to come to come through. And I think 6,000 continues to be a great spot for you to have that upside in the high thirties, if not low forties, great opportunity to go ahead and take him 
at that same price tag, uh, we're looking down to the uh, Warriors going into uh, Philly to take on the 76ers over there. Obviously, the Sixers missing Embiid, very much a different team at the moment, but it is expected to be a very close game with uh, the uh, game spread sitting at 237 at the moment and the Warriors just favored to win by by a point and a half. And that's uh, Brandon Pajimski or Pods, as everyone likes to uh, put him out there. What has been consistent for him, regardless of uh, what Wiggins' health is looking like, he's been kind of sitting in and out and altogether they're... Uh, finding ways to be able to get him into lineups, regardless of whether he's playing the point guard, shooting guard, or even the small forward. So it's a it's a good scenario for him to continue to put up uh, 35 to 38 minutes, which is obviously excellent for his individual fantasy value. In three straight games now, he's had uh, 34 plus DK points, which is obviously great as far as his uh, individual performances are concerned. And the best part is that he's doing it uh, with kind of out of um, out-of-pocket stat lines. I mean, he's ending up with 11 rebounds in two straight games. You don't necessarily think he's going to keep that up. Then he had a game where he had 14 assists in there as well. So he's just finding uh, different ways to be able to go ahead and contribute against different uh, different kind of lineups. And he has shown that he has a pretty uh, varied skill set to his uh, fantasy game as well as his real-life one. So the Warriors are obviously going to be happy with that. And I expect that he'll continue to be a, a big part of the rotation going forward. So 6,000 with a 30 plus minute guaranteed roll, a great spot to be able to go ahead and take him. And then finally, uh, talking about uh, the value tier really for the uh, the first time of the night so far, I'm, I'm looking at uh, two potential guys over here that I think can be uh, very much interchangeable here. Going first of all to that uh, Pelicans and uh, and Clippers game over there. If there's uh, one thing that uh, the uh, the Clippers have uh, found themselves in an interesting scenario with is still working through their uh, their perimeter defense. So obviously they're trying to throw as much uh, Paul George and Kawhi onto uh, onto different stars, and they're going to definitely have their hands full with uh, with CJ and Brendan Ingram on the perimeter. But it's going to be Trey Murphy that'll get a lot of benefits from that, uh, being that guy who can swing over to the corner as well as the top of the break and put up anywhere between eight to th- ten three point attempts. And really, if he can sh- hit even. Uh, even 35 to 40 percent of those, uh, he's going to find himself in a great spot to be able to put up uh, his uh, 25 plus DK points and having upside to get into the 30s as well. So for someone who's in that 4,500 mark, uh, he's definitely going to be a GPP play for me as far as that price tag is concerned. And the same uh, kind of idea is sitting for uh, Gary Trent as well, who's in a similar kind of scenario. He's going to be back on the floor. Uh, we'll probably end up playing anywhere between 35 to 38 minutes again. And he, his is also very much reliant on his three point shot going, which has been better as of late. So at 4,900, he gives you similar upside as well. Interesting picks, interesting picks because, uh, I mean, we'll get to the interesting part a bit later. I mean, starting off with my upper tier pick, uh, I decided to go with someone like Jalen Brown. Uh, it's just that Jalen Brown, I feel like against Atlanta has always been a problem, and especially because the perimeter defense there isn't quite the greatest. And he's priced around 8000 I think Atlanta also not being a defensive team. I think he's, it's just one of those performances where it's pretty common, I feel like. I mean, unless I'm the one who's mistaken and Jalen Brown has duds against Atlanta, but I think Jalen Brown is from also from Atlanta too. So I just think that maybe he always has this extra motivation against this team. So at 8,000, it's not like a pick who had a lot of slates, but if I was to go for a higher end shooting guard, uh, maybe Jalen Brown would be someone of interest. Uh, but like you said, right there, the mid-tier players, there's a couple mid-tier players that I looked at that I really liked, and you mentioned both of them, of course. And uh, one of them was RJ Barrett. <laughs> uh, and one, one, you said popcorn numbers, which is an interesting term that I've never heard before. Uh, but I think it, it, it suited it pretty well for Archie Barrett. 
Uh, he's just been a solid player for them. And uh, you're right. I mean, when he plays, he's been kind of been, I want to say, one of our go-to scorers. And he's been consistent and efficient, which is two words you never see someone describe RJ Barrett. Uh, but like you said, I mean, he's just been absolutely amazing and coming against uh, this playing high minutes games as well. Uh, so clearly he's been healthy. And as long as he can have that same amount of impact and continue to have that same amount of like the shot attempts that he continuously gets around like 18 and just have some efficient basketball, especially because like you said, they're going against Charlotte, which is not a great team and we're favored to win. So uh, at 6,900, I just think it's a really good price to keep on going for him. Uh, Another player you mentioned here was here. Uh, he only priced at 6,000, and he's been able to put up like 30 plus DK fantasy points continue, continuously. And you mentioned as well, he had another great night as tonight. So against San Antonio, they're not really a, a great basketball team. Uh, so Tier Wizard can hopefully just have another stellar performances and just continuously do what he's doing. It hasn't been, of course, what we were seeing when Lamella was out and he was putting up these insane numbers. Uh, but as time goes on, he is still getting in that groove, and 6000 isn't a price where it scares you away for someone like Heroes here. So I think that's a really appropriate pricing for him. Uh, and then uh, budget-wise, I decided to go for Grady Dick at 4100 I think we've mentioned four Raptors. Uh, but, I mean, Grady Dick is one player who is finally getting a lot of minutes, and I think Darko is probably enjoying him. He's kind of been fixing himself as well. I mean, making the right reads, uh, just hitting his shot, uh, especially in that New Orleans game, which is probably his best game in terms of stat line-wise. Uh, 22 points, so you're hoping that he can carry on that momentum and just continuously get base uh, minutes. Of course, he's tall enough to run the three. So at 4,100, just a, a really solid place, and against a, you know, a, a horrible opponent, I think this would be another chance for him to have a, a, a stellar night. Yeah, I like it. I think that's a it's a good place to go. I mean, that's kind of the upside from a fantasy perspective of a of a clearly tanking team that you're going to get a bunch of guys who will get their opportunities. And from a you know, lineup building perspective, there's lots of GPP plays that you can potentially go ahead and uh, slot in and, and get some pretty decent rewards for if they end up with an outsized minute total, which Grady Dick absolutely got in the last game. He was actually on my uh, on my picks from a small forward side of things since he's got that uh, dual eligibility. So kudos on getting that out there as far as uh, some of these other small forwards uh, i'm looking at over here uh going back to that cleveland washington game because i do want to have a little bit of exposure on a on a matchup that is a 234 game total despite its uh, its obvious scenario of a potential blowout and that's uh, max Struess, who's really found himself uh, getting back into that early season form over the last uh, couple of games and Really, I think it just comes down to uh, what we were seeing kind of super early in the season is that they were just putting him in every kind of uh, lineup that you could potentially have. And he ended up with some crazy minutes totals uh, coming out there, which is never going to be sustainable over the long term. So uh, for him to be uh, in that kind of 29 to uh, 32 minute mark is actually, I think, better for him because it allows him to be in a in a better usage scenario, not necessarily gassing himself out, trying to uh, defend uh, quite a few positions. And as a result, we've seen his uh, shooting start to kind of get back to uh, some of that track we were seeing earlier on in the season. At uh, 5,600, for a guy who's going to be playing those kind of minutes and have those kind of opportunities to shoot as, as many threes as he can get, it gives you that upside for him to end up in that uh, mid to high 30s as far as his DK points are concerned. So he has uh, upside in both uh, cash and GPP as far as I'm concerned. And a uh, Cleveland-Washington matchup should be a pretty good spot for him to continue on uh, with uh, some of that recent production as well. Uh, on the other hand, um, and this is 
Again, more of a dual eligibility thing where you can get him both at the small forward and power forward slot, and that's Osar Thompson for uh, Detroit Pistons. Again, similar to what we're now talking about the Raptors rotation, we're starting to see a little bit more of a consistency as far as Osar's role is concerned in comparison to what we've been seeing over the last, say, month and a half after he got off to a really good start to his rookie season. Ended up now in two games straight where he's played uh, 26 and 27 minutes, which is really the biggest thing that you're hoping to see because we know that he has the capability to put up uh, not only big rebounding numbers from the wing position, but he also can get you uh, a bunch of blocks and steals. So even if his offense is not necessarily lights out on any given night at 4,400, he gives you enough upside to be able to get you into the 30s if you can have uh, one of those decent nights where... He could rack up a lot of those supporting stats there. So definitely someone that I'm I'm taking a look at over here. And then uh, finally, <laughs> I feel like oh, I might as well mention the whole, uh, whole Raptors rotation at this point because Jordan Nora, who's sitting at 3,700 from a, a value perspective here, again, found himself in 24 minutes in that Pelicans game over there, uh, got himself to uh, about 20 DK points in that time as well, and has now had uh, three straight games where he's basically doing enough to be able to fulfill this bargain value while still giving you the potential upside that he can uh, play a couple more minutes. Now, the the question mark will be, you know, Gary Trent's return uh, affecting certain types of uh, certain types of minutes totals for both uh, him as well as Grady Dick. But at that price, you're really just throwing out uh, GBP, GBP picks out there. So you're hoping that uh, one of them can uh, can potentially hit given the uh, given the uh, potential scenarios that we're seeing here. So that's uh, kind of where I'm looking at as far as the low end is concerned. And then going all the way up over uh, to the top, this is going to be my first kind of spend up a recommendation uh, on the night outside of obviously James Harden up far, which was uh, which is going to be uh, Jason Tatum taking on the Atlanta Hawks. So you mentioned uh, Jalen Brown earlier, who's... I actually don't know if he's from Atlanta or not, but from a uh, Boston perspective over here, it's been Jason Tatum who's had won an incredible game already earlier this season against uh, the Atlanta Hawks. It's just a matchup that he continues to exploit because they'll end up throwing either Sadiq Bey on him or they'll end up throwing um, off the bench. Uh, they'll end up finding um, uh, Bogdan and, and finding different ways to be able to do it. In the end, though, it's just all a matchup that he can continue to exploit. And Atlanta already isn't a great defensive team to begin with, but this is just going to be another scenario here. And for Jason Tatum, who's found a good uh, bunch of the time in the season where he's been kind of at that high 9,000, sometimes even hitting 10,000 mark. I think 9,600 is a is a very solid price tag for a guy who has the upside to be able to get you into the mid to high 50s, which is really what you want from your spend ups over here. And given that uh, we have a really good bunch of options at uh, point guard and shooting guard so far in terms of that mid tier, it may make sense to have Tatum be that one guy you spend up on. Interesting picks. Well, Jim Brown is, is from Atlanta, uh, but I didn't go for Jason Tatum. I went for, <laughs> you know, I forgot to have Raptor bias. Might as well go all the way because I had Scotty Barnes here at 8,700. I was thinking about going for maybe a Kawhi, but uh, like I said, the Raptor bias, I think maybe just the fact that he is an all-star. Because, of course, it is interesting because Scotty wasn't playing his best basketball. And... Uh, Perhaps maybe the, the opponents just weren't the the right ones, but against Charlotte, being a first time All Star maybe in, you know improves his mood, kind of gets him back into that 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 frame where he was just having his best basketball, having a lot of fun. And at eighty seven hundred, he's I want to say my highest spend up I think in this whole slate, and so he's kind of going to be my superstar pick. Uh, of course, he's not the price at Tatum, but he's still we you know he's what Scotty Barnes is capable of. 
And even if Trent comes back, I don't think he'll be taking any minutes away from Scotty Barnes. So in general, I just think Scotty Barnes at 8,700 is, is a really good pick because I think Morales is going to be high, motivation, and the opponent just all like really just fit into play. Uh, I promise you guys I'm not copying what I was just saying because my midterm pick is also Max Struess at 5,600. Uh, he's been a, just been playing some solid basketball, I think. He's also been... Because he's, his game kind of relies on others, the fact that Darius Garland is back, Evan Mobley is back, he's kind of been able to do what he was doing in, in the beginning of the season. Uh, doesn't have a lot of responsibility. You can just easily make those what, backdoor cuts, those simple uh, off-the-screen pull-up three, uh, and just getting a few rebounds. Uh, so at 5600, just a really good price. And I think you've mentioned like he can sometimes get to that mid to high 30s on a really good night. And against Washington, uh, I don't see why that's, that's not possible. Uh, and then budget-wise, I decided to go with Asar Thompson as well. Like you mentioned, Detroit is just, I mean, yeah, they purposely weren't tacking, but, I mean, at this point, Asar Thompson has been getting a lot of minutes, and he isn't priced at, at that price that he was long ago. It was like, what, 7000 <laughs> Uh But at 4400 it's a good price, budget price. And he had a great game last game, so you're hoping this is something he can kind of continue to base off of course at the end of the day for me i think when it comes to a star it just it's just about hitting his shot because he can always get you like some steals and blocks but uh if he can't get you a few buckets then that's where the stat line really just like does not look that good but last game i think he had like 18 points or 20 points so if you can have another similar performance at 4400 i think you'll get your money's worth yeah i think uh we're pretty much on the same page as far as that's concerned so Yep, good good way to be able to go as far as mid-tier is concerned for the small forwards. On the port power forward side of things, it's it's very much continuing in that same trend over here, where uh, I just think the uh, the mid-tier options give you the uh, the kind of upside that you're potentially looking for over here. And I'm going to start with uh, Keegan Murray here at 5700, uh, going in that uh, Sacramento and Detroit game. Uh, for for his side, uh, Keegan Murray has now had three games back to back in which he's definitely uh, disappointed a little as far as his price tag is concerned. And as a result, we've seen his price drop from kind of the mid to high 6,000s all the way down to 5,700 here. But I think this is a great opportunity for him to get uh, a bounce back. In fact, uh, his best game of the season uh, was actually against uh, was against Detroit earlier on as well, where he ended up dropping 32 actual points, which was a uh, well, not a season high because he beat that against Miami, but definitely a, a game that uh, was something that he could absolutely uh, look back to and, and see that as a uh, as a big boon for him. So in a position where he'll often be going up against a, a bunch of mismatches, he has the capability to be able to stretch out the floor over there and should be able to find himself in that same kind of 30-plus minute role over here. Uh, I don't see why he can't uh, replicate uh, some of his uh, his earlier exploits against Detroit and end up into that uh, kind of a high 30s, low 40s potential mark over here, especially given how important he is to uh, Sacramento both now and and going forward. So, you know, any opportunity to get him going is definitely something Sacramento will want to take advantage of. Uh, at the same time, uh, I'm keeping an eye out on the on the questionable status of, of Draymond Green over here, just because I expect that he actually will end up uh, finding a way onto the floor. So. Obviously, keep an eye out on what that ends up looking like. But at 6,300, lots of upside over here in, in this kind of a matchup. We've been seeing uh, the Warriors get back to a lot more of uh, Draymond running those uh, running those plays and, and off-ball off ball screens to allow Steph Curry to get open, where he started to get the benefit again of a much better a much better space as far as his shot's concerned. And that obviously is positive for Draymond's assists as well, which have been 
uh, closer to that uh, seven and eight mark rather than the uh, five and six that we were seeing kind of earlier in the season. So uh, all of that just means that we know Draymond is all about those stats just piling up from different areas to be able to get you a pretty decent night. He's definitely in play anytime cash is concerned for that uh, 6,300 mark, but he obviously still has the upside to be able to get into those 40s, if not a 50 DK point night, if he can really get uh, some of those um, some of those numbers into from a triple single into doubles as far as his uh, rebounds and assists are concerned. So lots of like always as far as his fantasy game is concerned, and I think that continues on over here as well. And then uh, finally, and this is more about uh, looking at some of the uh, potential uh, value all the way at the bottom over here. And this is me looking at what I think is going to end up happening with some of this uh, Pelicans Clippers game, where what we have been seeing is if there's been one uh, bench unit guy that's kind of established himself as a key rotational piece for the Clippers at this point, it is Amir Coffey. And it's not that he's necessarily shooting the lights out or you know, getting a, a huge bucket load of usage, but what he is getting is efficiency from the time that he's out there. And he's found himself consistently between 26 to 28 minutes uh, where he's going to be able to put up anywhere between eight to 10 shots, uh, half of those being three pointers. And then he's usually able to uh, back that up with a, with a couple of uh, rebounds and assists to go with it as well. So again, for a guy who's sitting at 4,000, uh, not obviously the sexiest to fix out there, but he does have that capability to be able to get into the into the 20s pretty consistently, given uh, given his current role. And you could very well see him getting a few more minutes in this uh, Pelicans and Clippers game if uh, the Clippers are able to uh, get a little bit further ahead, given that they are at home. Uh, interesting picks. Uh, I guess I'll go with the one that we had the same person, which was Keegan Murray at 5,700. Uh, I didn't really spend too high in this category. I didn't really like the spend-ups. Uh, of course, Kuzma at 7,600 to buy. Sarah's has been playing some excellent basketball, but I I decided to spend a bit more in some other areas. So, therefore, I decided to just look at the, the lower and mid-tier, I want to say. Uh, so, Keegan Murray at 5,700 was one of my favorite picks. Uh, like you said, he's been struggling, which is kind of why I went for him, because he might not have a lot of eyes on him. Uh, and against this Detroit uh, like I said, Sacramento has been on a huge road stretch, so maybe against Detroit, back at home, these factors that might maybe allow him to just kind of have one of those great nights that he's he's capable of having. Uh, and another player I went for, uh, priced the same range, uh, and he has dual eligibility with power forward and center, and that's for Charlotte Hornets, P.J. Washington. Uh, of course, Mark Williams is still injured, so therefore uh, I want to say P.J. Washington, Nick Richards, and Miles Bridges are the centers. Uh, so P.J. Washington's been playing some great basketball. And I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to go for someone like him to kind of space the floor at the center spot and maybe just play over Nick, play a bit, play more minutes towards him than Nick Richards. And 5,700, that's just a really good price in my opinion. And in the sense that he's kind of been a player who can get on that really i want to say hard streak of just you know just having the amazing performance and if he's especially against the raptors where they don't i mean the backup bigs essentially and thaddeus young or boucher i think if he matches up against them most likely then i think he could still very well be capable of just kind of getting to his spots and of course on a good night, he could have 40 fantasy points, but I think you're more so expected to run the 30 mark, which would still be really solid at 5,700. 
I like it. I think that's a, it's a very solid pick to be able to look into for the power forward slot here. Uh, moving on to the final ones, which is the centers. And really well from here, uh, I thought there was two uh, guys that really stood out to me as far as their prices were concerned with the opportunity to be able to put up uh, some really big nights on here. And that's, uh, first of all, the unicorn on Boston taking on Atlanta over here at 7,500, which is a uh, lower price tag than we have uh, kind of been seeing for him for the vast majority of the season, where he's been in the high 7,000s, low 8,000s over here. Uh, for his uh, for his positive side, his uh, his minutes are definitely getting back to his uh, his normal allotment of somewhere close to 30. Uh, he's had two back-to-back great games now against uh, both the uh, the Lakers and the Memphis Grizzlies, where he ended up with uh, 41 plus DK points in both of those. And really the biggest thing is just that he he looks healthier and he looks much more involved. And obviously Boston has talked up about uh, him being that uh, that missing piece that's going to make that uh, difference for them when it gets to the playoffs. We'll have to see what that actually means. But as far as Atlanta is concerned, they're definitely going to have a lot of trouble being able to find uh, ways to actually stop him, obviously with his ability to not only uh, stretch the floor, but also be able to get into the ring. And with... Uh, with uh, Clint Capella still continued to be out and going to be reevaluated in about a week, week and a half, we're going to see a combination of either Okongwu or Bruno Fernando as being the guys who are going to be uh, going up against him. So Porzingis should definitely enjoy a lot of, uh, a lot of size advantage as well as advantage of being able to stretch those guys out to the three point line where they definitely don't want to be as far as um, defensively there. So lots of opportunity, great place for him to have another 40 plus DK point night. And if he can, get to uh, the level of, of offense that we've been seeing as of late, we could very well see him get closer to that uh, high 40s to 50 mark as well, depending on how things go. Uh, the second time, going back to that uh, Cleveland-Washington game one more time over here, uh, what we have been seeing is uh, Evan Mobley, since he's had uh, his return at the end of January, his minutes are slowly ramping up. He got all the way up to uh, 28 minutes in that last Sacramento game, and two games straight now where he's had 48 and 46 DK points, uh, both of which coming from a one positive, which is his rebounding numbers are getting back to where we want it to be. He's had a double-double in both of the last uh, two games over there. And then he also had a nice sprinkling of assists that he's had over the last uh, three games where he's averaging about uh, five assists a game in that time as well. So it's just a, lo- a lot of things that are working out well for Cleveland as they're getting fully back to health with uh, with Garland there now, with Mobley there now. And getting back to their regular minutes totals, I expect that uh, this price tag is going to be another opportunity for him to have, uh, similar to uh, the upside I was talking about with Porzingis. He's obviously less of a offensive uh, powerhouse in that sense, but he can get you a lot more as far as a rebounding and also is a, is a great uh, shot blocker as well. So. A lot to like as far as Mobley's concerned in a matchup that should be very much uh, his style. Uh, and for Cleveland, who are going to dominate with the fact that both him and Jared Allen are going to tower over the uh, the likes of uh, Kyle Kuzma or Daniel Gafford on the other side as far as Washington's concerned. So a lot to like as far as his, uh, his upside is concerned there. And now if I am going to be running with Mobley, and I, since I mentioned Daniel Gafford, he is uh, someone who is on the, uh, on the mark here for me as well at uh, 5,800 who for his part, uh, despite however Washington's been playing for the last little bit, he himself has been playing some really solid basketball in that time. Three double-doubles in the last uh, five games that he's played, including uh, some games where he ended up with 40 and 42 DK points, despite only playing about 28 minutes in that time. So really just goes down to, you know, you don't necessarily have him playing those big 30-plus minutes on a night-to-night basis, although I expect that we might see him be required to do that given uh, Cleveland's front court. 
But from his perspective, he's just been very solid, efficiently scoring for his uh, you know 12 to 13 points that you can expect from him alongside uh, being able to rack up a good amount of rebounds and a sneaky amount of uh, blocks as well, where he's currently averaging two for the season. So lots to like as far as uh, his upside is concerned. And for someone at 5,800, having the potential to get into the 40s, I don't think you can go uh, too wrong with him as a center either. Uh, interesting picks. I, I kind of had a feeling you were going to go for Verzingas. I think he's probably been one of your go-to picks in terms of that center spot. And rightfully so, because he does tend to have those really, really good nights. Uh, and of course, one of the players you mentioned was on my list, and that was Evan Mobley at 7100. I think I've never usually gone for one of the Cavs players, mainly due to the fact that you never know who's going to have a good night. But like you said, Mobley's kind of ramping it back up, and he's been having some great performances. And against Washington, where he will have that height advantage with Jared Allen, uh, you're hoping Evan Mobley can kind of also have an offensive game. And uh, against Washington, because of he ha- because of him having the height advantage, maybe getting around 15 shots if he we were lucky. Because of course he had 15 shots. I want to say in that recent game against the Spurs, where he had like a 40 plus 50 fantasy point night. So uh, if he can get something around that, that'd be absolutely amazing. Uh, and then mid-tier pick, I'm surprised he didn't go for this guy, but it's Yako Poto, and that's because he's coming back from injury. He's 5,900. He's a really cheap price. Uh, and, of course, Charlotte is a team where you wonder, but, I mean, to me, what really stands out is just the huge drop-off after Yako Poto comes off the floor because it's Thad Young or it's Boucher. Or, I mean, Jonathan Porter has been pretty solid. Uh, so, it's, I mean, but still, Yako Poto is much better than all all the other centers. So I think uh, they definitely like to play with him, especially quickly. We know quickly's game is much different when he's playing with a center like Jacopoto and uh, Scotty as well, just being able to find him. So I think if uh, Jacopoto at 5,900 is just a really good price, probably one of my favorite picks in this whole slate uh, because just being a rim running center, just being able to catch the ball and just put up some easy buckets, get a few blocks. I think at 5,900 is just a really good price. Yeah, fair enough. Uh I mean, my thing with uh, with Jakob and really of the games we've seen so far with uh, him taking on Charlotte, they have basically tended towards a smaller ball lineup. He's only averaged about 20 minutes in the two games that he played there and really hasn't been a uh, big factor from that. So we'll have to see how the Raptors go ahead and, and tackle that because, yeah, I, I would say as a... Uh, as a potential scenario of him being able to put up big numbers, he's obviously absolutely a important part of whatever the Raptors are trying to do in the, uh, in the front court. He's played two great games uh, since he's uh, gotten back his, uh, his full ramp up 33 and 28 minutes in that. So maybe we see him play a, a regular allotment of minutes. We just haven't seen it so far. So I, I'm kind of avoiding uh, going into that as of now, but I think 5,900 is a decent enough price tag to be able to do that. But that does bring us to the end of uh, what we're sitting at about 40 minutes here. So obviously a lot to uh, digest as far as seven games are concerned. Lots of different ways to be able to go ahead and attack the slate. And I think the one trend that's coming out pretty uh, consistently from both uh, Ramiz and myself is the amount of upside that we're seeing on that mid-tier side, especially on some of these uh, on some of these wing slots here. So definitely look to take advantage of that. See if we can get some uh, real outsized performances and ha- help you take down some of these bigger tournaments whenever these large slates are in play but as always get yourself onto sports ethos sign up for that dfs pass ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock if you want to talk to me you can catch me on instagram or on twitter at hk underscore devil where you can tell me about your different strategies to be able to take on some of these larger slates and who are uh, who are some of the upside picks that you are potentially looking at and Ramiz, as always where can the good people find you 
You can find me at Twitter at two nice, but T O zero underscore nice underscore. And uh, we could, I think uh, we did have some different players. So how about we do uh, a bit of a duel? Because I think I went for Scotty, who's at 8,700. Mm-hmm. We could do Scotty versus Harden because Harden's 9,000. They technically <laughs> have dual eligibility. I don't know if I, I mean, want Scotty sure? versus Tatum. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you want to throw Scotty versus Tatum? No, that's fine. Yep, uh, that, that's all right with me. Let's go with uh, Scotty versus Harden, see who ends up winning that. Because at this point, I, I think you'll probably owe me a whole steak dinner by the time we get to the end of the season, my friend. <laughs> bro, <laughs> that's a live, a live video of that. Battle of ass, bro. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think this should be entertaining. At least one, hopefully they have good performances. I like it. No, I, I think we should have much better performances coming out of here. And uh, I'm sure everyone is just chomping at the bit to see if uh, Ramiz can finally make a comeback after. I think we're at uh, five and one at this point. So let's, uh, let's see what we're looking oh. at overall. Mm, it's getting painful here, Ramiz. You're gonna have to uh, gonna have to get back here as the season wears on. Well, let's see what that looks like. But until then, we'll catch you next week. Uh, Ramiz and I will be on for the following uh, Wednesday's pod, so we'll follow up and see how things go there. But until then, we'll catch you out there and let's take down some of these GPPs. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.